everyone, this is Pookie Stew, and this is my fifth podcast, and uh, I'm going to be sharing about God and his ten realities. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for people that tuned in to hear this podcast. I ask that uh, you would open the eyes of our understanding so that we can see and behold beautiful things from your word as you uh, teach us how to honor you and to honor each other. In Jesus' name, Yeshua's name, amen. So today we're looking at the 10 realities. I refer to it as the 10 realities because in the Hebrew, the word that was translated for commandment, which would generally be mitzvot, is missing from Exodus 20. And instead, the word that's there is ha-devarim, which is words. These are the 10 words. And the rabbis have looked at the root of this verse and translated it in different suggestions. And so there's the 10 words of God or the 10 utterances of God. And one rabbi that I like in particular translated the word there as hadebarim as reality. So in the Western Mind, uh, we see the Ten Commandments as God giving out orders or barking out orders. He's saying, this is what you're going to do. But more in the Eastern mind is a father sitting his child down and saying, let me reveal reality to you. Let me, let me show you the Ten Realities. So that's what we're going to be talking today is about the Ten Commandments. And the number 10 is interesting because it carries with it several connotations. And one, there were 10 generations of mankind from the creation of Adam until the flood of Noah. So it took 10 generations passing for the world to completely decay and deserve full judgment. And the Passover lamb of God was selected on the 10th day of the first month in Exodus 12. And so we see that our Passover lamb, Yeshua, Messiah, or Jesus Christ, came and died for the sins of the entire world. So the 10 is very significant. And uh, housed also in the number 10 is a picture of completion. And it represents testimony, law, responsibility and completeness of order, creative power. So the 10 realities is what we'll be looking at. And in the Jewish wedding ceremony, there's what we would call the ketubah. And it's a contract. It's the marriage contract. And it's a list of utterances, if you will, or words. It's promises between the bride and the bridegroom. And it's legally binding in Israel. It's a legal document. And here, I guess, we would have the equivalent of a marriage license. Over there, they have the ketubah. So, when Moses came down the mountain to the people of Israel with the Ten Utterances, or the Ten Commandments, it was a a ketubah for the covenant that he was cutting. And... It was a shame because before he could even get the uh, covenant to the people, they had already broke it. 
by worshipping other gods and had, of course, built a golden calf. So, so devastating. <laughs> so it was proven in that moment that as mankind, we are completely unable to keep covenant. We cannot walk in reality without God. But through Yeshua's death and resurrection, we can enter into covenant, a new covenant in his blood. And this, the work of the Holy Spirit now, the sanctifying work of the Spirit, is to bring forth into our life the ten realities. So that's what we will be looking at today, starting with the first word or utterance, and that is, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So the first commandment deals with the Lord in his eternality and his self-existence. So he says, I am the Lord, your God. He's saying, I am Lord. I am self-existent and have existed from before time. And I'm the eternal one. And I'm your God. So there's a, a covenant right from go. And you know, when we get married, we, when we take our vows to one another, we say, I'm your wife and you're my husband. So that first commandment is identifying to one another the position that we're entering into. That it is an intimate position. And it's a personal connection. So God is saying, yes, I'm Lord. And I'm also your Lord. So when you're, when we're born again, in essence, what we're, we confess Yeshua as Lord and we are saved. And it says, call upon the name of the Lord and thou shall be saved. And if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the first step to being born again is to confess God as your God, to make it personal between you and him. So this is the first commandment that the Lord spoke. The first utterance, if you will, the first uh, hadavim was, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the land of slavery, and you shall have no other gods before me. So when you take vows in marriage, you know, you tell your spouse that we're married now and you are not to have relations with any other people. So it's a set apart a holy matrimony, a holy relationship for a specific purpose. And this is Devarim number one. You shall have no other gods before me. So uh, when we are saved, this is exactly what happens. We, we are covenanted into the relationship with the Father through the Son. And now we will have and acknowledge no other gods. The second reality that we see is no graven images. So God told the people that uh, you shall have no other gods before me and neither shall you have any graven images. So they weren't to make any idols. They weren't to bow down in worship to any other likenesses. And they were to acknowledge that there was none besides the Lord. So, of course, we're, that was the immediate 
commandment that they broke in building the golden calf. And the saddest part of that whole exchange, I guess, to me, is when they built the golden calf, which was an ancient symbol for Baal, they called it Yahweh. So it wasn't enough that they worshipped another god. It's that they actually called another god Yahweh. And so sometimes we do this, you know, because there's deception. And we think that one religion is the truth, and it's simply not. And so I see it's very interesting, though, that they called that calf Yahweh. And then he said, you shall not worship them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God, and I am a jealous God. Now, we we talked about this in the one of the podcasts previously, that God's jealousy is not rooted in selfishness like human jealousy. Matter of fact, the 10th commandment, when it speaks of covetousness, which we'll discuss in a little bit, that's the sinful jealousy that does not exist in an, our holy father. The jealousy that he has is out of love and it's actually passion for us. One time I was sitting at that little breakfast place, IHOP, <laughs> having pancakes with a few friends. And out of nowhere, you know, I'm not really thinking about God. I'm just eating my pancakes and I'm enjoying them. And I have this thought come to me and it says, if you could worship any other God and live, I would let you. But you can't worship me. And it was so intense, so jealous for me. And being the self-existent one who is from eternity, God is fully aware that there is no God besides him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we, if we worship something else, we will die. So I also mentioned in a previous podcast that we always think that we can subtract God from life and somehow live when he is the life. And there's no life apart from him. So his jealousy is for us to worship him so that we can live. And he knows anything outside of that is going to be our death. So first and first commandment there, I am the Lord your God and uh, you shall have no other gods. And commandment number two is you shall not make any graven images. So an image is a representation of something. It's a picture of something. And this is what they tried to do when they created the golden calf and then called it Yahweh. They tried to make a picture of something. Holiness is a concept where God is one of a kind. He is set apart in his holiness. There are beings that fly around his throne in heaven day and night crying out, Holy, holy, holy. So there is this aspect to God of he cannot be compared. If I traveled to a foreign country, for example, where I was not maybe affiliated with the livestock there, I might bump into some sort of animal that I've never seen. And being an animal, someone in that country could tell me, well, as we're on our way to see this sulfalophagus, just a made-up word, it looks kind of like a rhino in that it has a horn, but it's smaller, like a deer, 
all of a sudden my mind can start to form an image. Because I've seen a rhino and I've seen a deer, therefore my mind is able to formulate an image. Now God tells the people, do not have any graven images because he's one of a kind. And there is nothing that can be compared with the Lord. So any image that we come up with is going to be a lie. And he does not want us in anything but truth. So there is no way to make an image of God. The closest image of God is Yeshua. He came to the earth in the form of man. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the invisible attributes of God were visibly seen in his son. And that's the closest that we will ever get. And the third commandment is, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So when I'm looking at this, um, and I'm going back to the concept of the covenant and the Jewish wedding, when you're married, you, you take your spouse's name. So you leave behind your former identity. And you enter into a new identity with a new name. And when we are born again, and we enter into the covenant with God, He is making Himself available to us as our bridegroom. And He said that the the marriage was a picture of Christ in the church. So, in the scripture, as you read through the scripture, you'll come upon the names of God. He has very, he has many proper names. Yahweh Ira, Yahweh Rapha, the Lord, the Lord my healer, the Lord my provider. Um, there's many names. I believe there's seven, um, proper names and then additional ones, um, capitalized throughout scripture. When, you come across one of his names, it carries the aspect of his character. So as you study the names of God, you can see his heart. And when you enter into covenant with him, you and take his name, he makes available to you the attributes of himself. And it's the same in marriage. Uh, when you're, when a, when a bride takes a husband, the husband is veiling himself to his wife. All that he is and does is now available to her. And she is now his uh, support. You know, a help meet or uh, an appropriate help. Compliment. So when we're looking at God and taking his name in vain, that word there, uh, vanity, can also be translated as emptiness. So what we're doing when we break the third commandment is we're going outside of our marriage, outside of our covenant, so to speak, to find God. And when we do that, we make his name of no effect. And... And this is what we are told uh, he does not want us to do and he will not hold us guiltless, those that do this. So when you get married, you know, you become the, you take your husband's last name. If you go around and you tell people that you're still your former self and you act single, you have dishonored your husband. Basically, you've made it, the marriage a joke. It's of no effect. So 
when you are born again and you enter into covenant with God through Yeshua, you are to honor and to value his name and to realize everything that name of God connotates and then work to appropriate and respect and value what God is is saying he is to you now. So there's a lot that can be said in that, but I've been arrested several times um, by Yeshua because maybe there I had a need and I wasn't looking to God to meet that need. I was looking to the world or to myself. And he reminded me, you've taken my name. My name and all that connotates is all you need for life and godliness is, is made available to you. And you're to have no other God. You're to have no other idol. And uh, so the moving forward, um, the, the last utterance um, that deals directly with our relationship with the Father and how we're to relate to God is the fourth. And this is to honor the Shabbat. And this one is tied to the third. So these, these commandments, there's a, there's a flow. Um, the, fo- the fourth one is the Shabbat, which is the rest of God. So in the book of Hebrews, Paul's writing to the church and he says that they, we are to enter in to that rest through faith and the obedience that comes from faith. And that one who rests has ceased from his own work. So I find that in my life, when I have devalued the Lord's name, and then I break the second commandment, and I look outside of my relationship with God to meet my own need, I'm not resting. I'm working. I am striving, trying to uh, create a life outside of my relationship with God. And in doing so, I'm breaking one through four. So I've basically... (laughs) dishonored the Lord, which is heartbreaking. But this is why Yeshua came to forgive sin, because we were unable in our own strength to live these things out. And it's only through the sanctifying work of the Spirit of God that we're able. And it comes back to reminding ourselves that we're in covenant with the Lord. He is our God. We're to have no other gods before Him. All that He is in the power of his name has been made available to us and we can rest in the salvation that he's provided and trust in the Lord. Um, these first four utterances you can see in the ketubah. You can see it in the ketubah. And you can see that it's our vertical relationship. So the vertical relationship comes first before the horizontal relationship. And all ten utterances are tied into the concept of honor. So before we move into the the fifth utterance or commandment, which discusses honoring your father and mother, I wanted to share a little bit on honor. So there's an ancient Hebrew phrase, and it says, honor opens the inside door. And this is absolutely true. I have experienced this in life repeatedly in my relationships, uh, horizontal relationships. Honor is uh, defined as, in our culture, as respect, which can mean a lot of things to different people. But Hebraically, it's value. 
So there, there was a rabbi um, that I listened to that told a, a simple story that really drove this point home. Um, he said that there's levels of honor, you know, and the scripture says that too. There are levels of, of holiness as well. Um, there are certain artifacts that were to be used in the service of the Lord that are not to be used casually. So just like we have special dishes for special occasions, and then we have common dishes for everyday use, um, in the spirit, there are, uh, set apart things. And this was what got, um, Belshazzar in a lot of trouble because he took the sacred cups and bowls that were used in the service of the Lord in the temple. And he threw a drunken party and decided that he would bring those utensils out and treat them like he was above God, that he could even take the things that were sacred to God and he could use them for his own whatever. And then the hand appeared and wrote on the wall and the kingdom was stripped from him. Uh, so the Lord very clearly saying that um, pride comes before before the fall and Pride and honor are very interesting. Pride is the selfish honor of oneself. The desire to elevate and exalt and make oneself great. It's placing value upon oneself over other people. And um, anyway, back to uh, the rabbi that I I mentioned. So he told this story. He said uh, one time... Um, these little kids were playing baseball, and uh, they had a limited number of baseballs, and there was a porta potty there, and so their pitcher, um, he had to use the restroom before continuing the game, and so when he went in to use the porta potty, he dropped the baseball into the toilet. <laughs> and being that a baseball costs about a buck, or you know, five dollars a ball. Um, he said, just forget it. We'll, we'll get another ball. Okay. Um, a couple hours later, um, this woman, she also was a mother at the game. She said, I need to use the ladies room. And so she went into the porta pot and as she was, uh, you know, completing her business there, her wedding ring <laughs> fell off her finger into the porta potty. $5,000 ring. And, and so now, of course, um, they've got, you know, sticks and a shovel and, and they're getting in there, you know, with a, with these tools to try to retrieve this ring from this porta potty. Whereas with the baseball, they just said, let it go. And then a couple hours later, um, a new mother, took her her newborn baby in with her. And as you can see where this is going, she dropped her child into the porta potty. So now guess what? She's in the porta potty. Right? So this is a it's a it's an illustration of honor. The the things that you honor, you treat differently than the things that you don't. And so honor means that you place value and worth upon it. And God showed the mankind the level of honor that he has for us when he died on the cross. He gave everything he had. 
all of it. He held nothing back. He stopped at all. He took no odds. You know, against all odds, it didn't matter. No matter how high the cost, he paid it because he placed utmost value upon us. And the only response to that is to love him back, to return, and to place full honor upon him. So pride is placing honor upon oneself and valuing ourself over everything else. And love is the opposite of that. Love is valuing others over oneself. And Yeshua said, no man has a greater love than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. So, I will position to you that if your vertical relationship with God is not complete in that the four commandments, the four utterances or realities are not evident in your life, then the remaining commandments will not be either. Because your horizontal relationships stem off of your vertical. And if it, if you do not honor and value the creator who is to be forever praised, then you will not honor nor value his creation. And this is the issue in our world today. Uh, pride has puffed up. And it has uh, refused to give honor to the Creator. And so everything has fallen apart. So, commandment number five, or utterance number five, is to honor your father and mother, that your days may be long upon the earth which the Lord God gives you. So, it's interesting, but this is, I've seen this absolutely to be true. Um, they do interviews with uh, people like uh, the Dahmer that uh, murdered his own parents, his own father and mother. If you do not honor your father and mother, what you're basically saying is, I don't value the people that value me the most. You know, And I know that it's not always the case. There are very wicked and evil people in this world. But for the majority of us, you know, we come into the world as a baby, helpless and unable to honor. You know, we're unable to offer anything or do anything for anybody else. And it's your father and mother that value you the most. They are the ones that honor you the most. This is why it's easier to change your own kid's dirty diaper than someone else's kid's dirty diaper. Because you, you honor your child the most. And if you're not able to honor your own father and mother, the people that honored you the most, then it's very likely that you can that you will break the, the remaining commandments. Adultery, theft, lying to your neighbor, bearing false witness, um, murder, and covetousness. So... Numbers 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 are all tied into a lack of honor for other people. But they hinge on number 5. Um, and the Lord said that if, if, you're, if you honor your father and mother, then you'll live long on the earth and you'll prosper. You know, that's absolutely true. So back to the, the ancient 
saying, honor opens the inside door. Every one of us has uh, our soul and our spirit on the inside. And I've often heard people go, well, why don't people open their hearts to me? Why don't I have intimate relationships with other people? What is it that's messing up my relationships with other people? And I always come back to it's on, it's a lack of honor. Because we are designed by God to love and to be loved. When you smile at someone, they smile back. And yes, there is a lot of damage in souls that, that prevents this. And there are wicked and evil people outside of the covenant who are just incapable of honor. The, the love of God is not poured out or shed abroad in their heart. And, and so they are prevented from valuing someone else above their own life. They're prevented from doing this. Because remember, we only are able to keep these commandments through the Spirit of God. So all of the love that flows out of our heart toward other people is actually God's love. It's not coming from us. It's coming from Him to them through us. So when your vertical relationship is there, the love of God can flow through you to other people. And honor is what opens the inside door. So I see this a lot in, even in the workforce. You know, if you have one boss that's really into themselves, and everybody gets the sense that they're just trying to climb a corporate ladder and they don't really care about their employees that are under them, then what they're really saying is that boss doesn't honor me. That guy right there doesn't value the people working for him. So guess what? That inside door slams shut. Now, in response to not being honored, they don't honor in return. So the words that he speaks carry less weight. The decisions that he makes are met with more skepticism. There's a lack of trust. And there's a complete breakdown of favor. But it's always the supervisor that you feel cares, that values you, or appreciates your work, that you trust more, that you serve more, that you're more willing uh, to work harder for. So a lack of honor, it doesn't just impact your personal relationships with your mother and father and your husband and your wife or your children. But it goes beyond that to even people that you have um, limited intimacy with, co-workers, casual acquaintances and friends. And so honor will open the inside door. Um, if you're struggling today um, to honor someone because you feel like they have not honored you, and maybe their behaviors have broke, have been that these commandments that come after number four have been broken. You know, maybe someone has stolen from you or given a false testimony, maybe gossiped or said something hurtful or coveted. Um, now I had a good friend at a coffee shop recently teach me something about covet. I never knew. Um, covetousness is more than just, I see what you have and I want it. So that you don't have it. It's also, I desire to have something that you don't have. 
So really, it, it's an attitude of the heart again. It's pride that says, I'm more valuable than you. And so it, my things should reflect that. I should have better, nicer things than you. And I should have better, more enjoyable experiences than you. Because I'm more important. And and that is that ugly, ugly sin nature that God um, desires to suppress and subdue by His Holy Spirit. So if you have someone in your life that you are finding it difficult to honor because they have not valued you in the ways that that you should be valued, go back to commandments one through four. Remind yourself that God, who is perfect, has valued you immensely and completely in that you're in a covenant relationship with him through his son Jesus, that is permanent, and he will never dishonor you. He will never devalue you. And that will open the door of your heart so that you can value the unworthy. Those who are, who are unworthy of honor, God says he values and he honors. And so... My prayer for us all today is that uh, we remember life is about God and God is about people. And love, it, faith works by love. And doing the Ten Commandments from our heart means nothing if the motive behind it isn't love, isn't honor. So may we all honor those in our life that God has placed across our path with the honor he honored us with father thank you for giving me the um the message about the 10 realities that you're our father and you sit us down as your children and you say honey let me show you something about life this is how the human heart is designed this is what opens the doors to loving wholesome relationships this is the way to treat people with appropriate value. It's so beautiful that all of this comes from you. You love us and you value us. So you teach us how to love and value each other. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.